down. They, they were going to build this place up. Now, think about, like, we didn't even use God's help for this. He didn't come down and say, well, make that brick a little bit smaller, a little bit bigger. We figured that out. That's us. This is our city. This is our thing. And it's this idea of self-reliance. We are all that we need. That's it. We've got it. We've got all the skills we need. And so God isn't practically needed anymore. We've got our city. I know he's provided for us in the past, but now we've got this done. We've got it figured out. And it wasn't just practically that they were self-reliant. God was actually being replaced spiritually at the same time. Because uh, the practice of astrology, you know what astrology is? Like studying the stars and getting your life's answers from the stars, right? And this was an actual worship practice, so they would worship the sun and the moon and the stars, hoping that they would be enlightened by the stars, that the stars would predict their future, would show them what's coming. And this is really uh, a false god, in a sense. This is a false god. This is... um, this is not the worship of God. He says, worship one God and serve him only in his word. And so the practice of astrology traces all the way back to this tower. Now, what's astrology? Astrology could be anything from going and getting a reading. It could be reading a horoscope and making sure, like, I'm going to read my horoscope today and see what my week is going to entail. Okay, that's the practice of astrology, and God dislikes that greatly. All right, because we are called to go to the Lord and say, God, you tell me what my week contains. You tell me what my life is in front of me. You tell me what my, my day is. And so the, the practice of astrology is here, and they would consult the stars for guidance if they needed it. This is the plan. And they wanted to build a tower. They said that it will reach to the heavens, reach to the heavens, even though the God of heaven had reached down to earth. They wanted to reach to the heavens and become self-reliant. And we can fall into that same trap. And we live our lives sometimes in a place where we've just got it all together. You know what? I've got it figured out. Someone says, when's the last time you read your Bible? I don't remember, but you know, life's great and life's good. Here's what I'll tell you about self-reliance. It's all good until it's not. And the best way to live, the only way to live, is to continue to rely on God. The second attitude or mentality they had was the mentality of self-promotion. They said, let us make a name for ourselves. People are going to see this city, they're going to see this place, and they're going to say, wow, that is absolutely magnificent. You see, God placed in us an actual desire to be known. Do you have that in your life? You just, you want to feel significant. You want to feel known. You want to feel like somebody's paying attention. And that desire in us is to draw us to be known by God. But what we do is we take that and we ask for the attention of everything else, and we want ourselves to be known so that we can have these needs met, but not by God. You see, without God, this desire is replaced by the need for fame and popularity and significance and all these other things that these things are in the eyes of others. We want other people to see us in this way. And really, it comes down to the same mentality we saw at the Tower of Babel, which was that of self-promotion. So you have these people, and they just wanted to flex on the whole rest of the world. Our city is the best city. Our tower is the best tower. All people need to do is just come by, and they'll see how great we are. That was the second mentality. The third mentality was that of self-preservation, 
They said, let's do this lest we be dispersed, or some translations say scattered. We better do this so that we don't get broken up, so that we don't all have to wander anymore. We need to build this city because we need to preserve ourselves. We need our own safe space. See, it wasn't just a city. It wasn't just a tower. They were actually building a fortress. They were building a massive fortress that could not be invaded, and they wouldn't need to depend on God anymore for his protection because they could protect themselves within this thing they were building. And they had determined to band together. And this is a prevalent thought throughout history and still to this day. I'll take care of me. I am all who I, I'm the only one who I can trust. I can't trust anybody. It's just me. I've got me. No one else understands me, knows me. No one else will be there for me. It's just me. I got to take care of mine. And no one else is going to take care of it. And we have this mentality of I earned it. I built it. I deserve it. And that's what they're stuck in. And they've got this thing where they're like, we did this. This is ours. And it reveals an issue of security and trust. Do we trust only in ourselves? See, rather than counting on God, they decided the only one they could count on was them. And there's a problem with living these kind of mindsets. Now, you might say, wow, that's terrible. Those people, I can't believe they lived that way. I can't believe they actually thought that way. But what you'll see is if you begin to really dig deep into your own heart and your own life, you see these things kind of creep up from time to time in your life. And the problem with living this way, the problem with this mindset, the problem with Babel, because you might be reading the story of Babel and saying, really, come on, they were building a really cool building. Did God really have to mess that up? I mean, what's the big deal? The problem is, is that when we live a life of self-reliance and self-promotion and self-preservation, the end result is always self-destruction. And God knows this. God knows this, and so he's going to do something about it to get their attention, to change and shift the way that they're thinking. Because this isn't about God saying, I don't like the tower that you're building. But God is saying, I know where this is heading. I know where this will lead you. And I want to be your God. I want you to follow me. I want to provide for you. See, Jesus actually said that whoever tries to save his life will lose it, but he who loses his life for his sake will find it. And that's the gospel. It's different than what they were believing. The kingdom of God is not like the kingdom of this world. I mean, if, you've ever, if there's ever been a season in our world where it's easy to figure that out, this is that season. The kingdom of God is not like the kingdom of this world. These people, they were building the wrong kingdom. They were building their kingdom. They were building their fame and their glory. They were building a reliance on nothing but themselves. And God is practically pushed out of the picture in their lives and say, we're good. So what did God do? Well, God scattered them all over the earth. He dispersed them. He steps in and he puts an end to their plans. And he says, let us go down. Now, who do you think was going with him? Well, God was saying, let us go down. He's talking to himself. He's one, but he's more than one. It's a reference to the Trinity all the way back here in Genesis chapter 11. That the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in relationship with one another said, let us go down and see what's going on in this place. So God goes down, and it says that he mixes up, he confuses them, he changes their language, and it, it caused chaos. 
See, the word babble means to confound or it means mass confusion. Babble, mass confusion. And so they were in chaos at this point. They couldn't understand each other. Wouldn't that be wild? If you went to work tomorrow and you worked with, let's say, 20 other people and you all spoke English, by the end of the workday, you all spoke a completely different language and you were trying to do a team project, how well would that go? Not good. And so they were dispersed. They were scattered. They gave up on their plans. They scattered throughout the earth. They left not with intention but with frustration. We're frustrated. Now we have this unfinished city. We can't finish it. A lot of historians believe that Nebuchadnezzar actually came and finished building the Tower of Babel as a shrine unto his glory. But they just gave up. They couldn't do it. And then that's it. That's the whole story. The end. (laughs) Maybe it's not the whole story, though. Like, I'm reading Genesis, and I'm going, okay, they were going to do this, and they had some really bad mentalities, and then God said, oh, speak different languages, and go scattered throughout the earth, and the end, all right, now let's meet Abraham. That's what's next. There's got to be more to the story. There's got to be more to the story. And as I dig into this, what we find is that there is another babble that happens in Scripture, and it's a long ways away from this one. And it's not just like Babel. In fact, it's the reverse of Babel. There's a work that God does in Scripture that is a reverse Babel. And, and I'll kind of walk you through how we get to this place, all right? The story of the Babel, it just seems to be over here. But it picks up again in the New Testament. The story of Babel comes back. And there's only one other occasion in Scripture that I could find that God instantaneously changes language. It happens here in Genesis chapter 11, and we'll see in just a moment where it happens in the New Testament. There's a clue to this second Babel, this reverse Babel right here in its first cha- uh, verse 7 of chapter 11. God says, let us confuse their language. So this week I had to do a quick word study. And by I mean quick, I mean at least an hour. I'm not fluent in Greek or Hebrew. I, can, I, I, can, I understand a lot of the words, but when it's all just in the symbols, that gets really hard. All right? So I'm looking at this word, the word confound is the Hebrew word balal, and it means to mix. So really, God didn't confuse them. He just mixed them. He mixed up their language. The result was frustration. The result was confusion. The result was chaos. But really, what God did is he came down, and he said, you speak this language, you're going to speak this language, you're going to speak this language, you're going to speak this language, and out they went. Now, this language, this word language, in the Hebrew, the word is sephath, and I know this may not matter to you, but it's kind of fascinating to me, so just bear with me. You don't find this word in the New Testament. You can't find the word sephath in the New Testament, and there's a reason for that, because the New Testament wasn't written in Hebrew, right? So this becomes problematic. How do we find the connection if you're in two different languages completely? Well, here's the thing. The Old Testament's written in Hebrew. The New Testament is written in Greek, But long before the Bible was translated into English, the Old Testament was actually translated into Greek as well. It's called the Septuagint. And so there is a Greek version of the Old Testament, which allows us to now have a better comparison of what's happening between the Old and the New Testament. Kind of crazy. So I'm studying this out, and I'm finding, what is this word, language? When God said God changed their language, what is this word? I want to know what this word is in Greek. 
Because I know what it is in Hebrew, but I, I, I know that there's something in the New Testament. What is this word? And the Greek equivalent of this word is the word glossa, and it means a language or tongue. And it, we find it several times in a singular chapter in the Bible. Now, it's several times in the New Testament, but there's a place in the New Testament where it shows up over and over and over and over again in one chapter of the Bible, and that chapter is Acts chapter 2. It's the exact same word where it says God changed their language, their glossa. He did it again. Same word, Acts chapter 2. And it's right here, incidentally, right where God changes language instantaneously. You see, Pentecost was the reverse Babel. See, there had been a work of division, but God is going to do a new work. Let's read this here, Acts chapter 2, real quick. This, Acts chapter 2, I should just read it every week because it's just so exciting. Acts chapter 2, verse I'll start with verse 1. It says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. That's cool and also terrifying. Like, you're sitting here at church, and the person next to you has got, like, fire on their head. And it looks like a tongue. Right? Half of you are going to be like, that's it, I'm leaving this church, it's too weird. But this is what happened. Now, it says that as these tongues appeared, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit who said, let us go down. See, the Holy Spirit who came and, and interceded on behalf of humanity now was going to be in humanity. Because Jesus said, I will send you a helper. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other glosses, other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them in his own language. Now at this time, people had traveled from all over the world to the Pentecost festival, all right? And so there was all different languages there, but these people... They started to hear in their own language, and they said, are not all these who are speaking Galileans, which were known for like, aren't these guys not even very smart? How did they learn a foreign language is the implication here. And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Now, the next two verses I like to read in my head. No reason, but we're just going to skip that. So you have all these different nations with complicated pronunciations. And when I say them in my head, I get them right every single time. So we're going to go down to... Let's go down to the last couple. Verse 10, Phrygia and Pamphylia and Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and the visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. So these people are minding their own business, gathered together, just seeking the Lord. And next thing you know, the Lord drops the Holy Spirit on them and they begin to speak in other languages because of the power of the Holy Spirit. They were filled with him, and God gave them new language for the purpose of declaring the mighty works of God. And by the way, this still happens today. That God would give his people an utterance to declare the mighty works of God. And it doesn't always make sense, but here's what I do know. It pushes back darkness. It edifies the believer. And so God gives them this language 
It's an impartation of the Holy Spirit that comes together and he puts them on a common mission. So at Babel, you have a new language that was a divider, but then at Pentecost, you have a new language that was a unifier. It's the reverse of what God did at Babel, that he took a singular language and made many languages, but with a whole new purpose. Because, you see, they were in a different place than the people at Babel. They were gathered together to seek God, not to seek their own self-interests. And God poured out his spirit upon them. And as the language of God came upon them, they would be filled and they would be changed. And they, in that moment, they came to this place where they realized we can live our life by the power of the spirit of God and not by our own strength. And in fact, when you live your life by the power of the Spirit of God, you are living your life in opposition to Babel. Now, there's another whole sermon right there, and I'm just going to give you 30 seconds of it. It's not, I didn't write any of it down. I'm like, I can't, that's too much of a sermon. But Babel is where the city of Babylon came from, which God considers a wicked city. If you read the book of Revelation, you see Babylon all over. That is the place of destruction. That is the, Babylon is the city you don't want to live in. It is the place that which we renounce spiritually, the place of Babylon. And so when we live according to the power of the Spirit, we actually live in opposition to Babylon. The force that wants to destroy who God is in his people's hearts and lives. And so we live by the power. Jesus came. He released the Holy Spirit and God gave us a new and living way. You see, when we live in the reverse Babel, it's a whole new way of living. See, the people at Babylon, they had this idea, and God scattered them, but, but now we have a new way of living. You see, we don't live self-reliant anymore. We're reliant on the Holy Spirit. It's a different life. It's a different mindset. If we're going to live in this way, then Jesus said in John 14, 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all the things all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. That he is going to be the helper. He is going to guide you and teach you. You can be reliant upon him. So we live a life dependent on God and not ourselves. We follow his ways and not our own. I'll tell you, the strongest people that I have ever met are those who are wholly reliant on God. The strongest people who I have met are the people who didn't worry about Everyone's saying, well, they'll think I'm weak if I am a Christian or if I say that I need Jesus. The strongest people are the people who are reliant not on themselves but on the Holy Spirit who God has given us. And so it's a new way of living. So we take Babel back again. And so we're not self-reliant. We're Holy Spirit-reliant. And then we don't promote ourselves. We promote Jesus. I mean, what are CJ and Cass doing? They're not going out into the world and like, come, you know, we want to be famous, so we've got a website, and it's called cjandcast.com, and you can just shower us with praises. You know what their heart is? To promote Jesus with their lives. Because they're living the reverse babble. They're living in this way in which the Holy Spirit is poured out on their lives, and when we get to that place in our lives, we stop promoting ourselves, and we promote Jesus. We promote him. He's who we lift up. He's who we make famous. John the Baptist said in John 3.30, he must increase, but I must decrease. And we catch ourselves sometimes over-promoting ourselves. But we're to promote Jesus. And finally, 
We don't preserve our life. We trust the Father with it. We're no longer in this place of saying, ah, man, it's just all on me. Maybe you're in that place in your life right now where you're saying, it's just all on me. All the pressure is on me. It's all going to fall apart. It's all on me. If, I, if I'm not there, everything's going to not work. I, that's how I used to think when I was a young, immature pastor. Right? But now God, I don't know if it's a blessing. Like, I can leave and church is better. Than when, <laughs> at least as good, if not better. I'm just, re- just going to be reliant on the Father that he would preserve my life. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 26, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? I mean, if that's all the encouragement you can get when you wake up tomorrow morning, look in the mirror and say, you're better than a bird. <laughs> because you are. It's a, it's a scripture that you think, of course I'm better than a bird. That's a ridiculous statement. And God would say, what's well, a ridiculous statement that they trust me and you don't? And so we trust God to preserve our life. And rather than striving for self-preservation, we put our faith in God, who is greater than anything you will ever face in your life. He is the preserver. And so we move into a new way of living. And there's a choice that we make in our lives. And we look at these things as they stack up against each other, and you've got to ask yourself, what kingdom do I want to live in? Am I living in the kingdom of Babel or am I living in the kingdom of God? There is a choice to be made. And God brings us to these places. I I love being in church. I love being in church. I love sitting in church. I love being together with God's people and gather together because this is like the only place that I know of in which people from all different walks of life with lots of different opinions, lots of different backgrounds, whether it's uh, socioeconomic backgrounds, upbringing, Uh, race, whatever it happens to be, to come together with a common purpose. And it actually works. And it doesn't work because we're reliant upon ourselves. It works because we're reliant upon God. And so we come together to build a kingdom. We're doing the same thing, in essence, as the people at Babel were doing. We come together every Saturday night right now, and soon Sunday again, when we get there. We come together for a purpose just like they did, to build a kingdom. The difference is it's not our kingdom that we're building. And we have a new mindset, a new way of living. We come together to be filled up and made whole and transformed by the mighty power of Jesus so that we can go back into the world and bring, a, bring him with us, that he can go with us. We're scattered too. The early church, the book of Acts, you know what? They didn't all just stay there. They were scattered. They were all over the place. But it's a different scattering. It's not like at the Tower of Babel. It was like, you guys, you just need to be a part. See, in this new way of living, God brings us together. He fills us out up and he says, now you need to go out. And you need to bring more back with you. See, we are scattered with mission and purpose. See, at the Tower of Babel, they were scattered and they were disoriented. But when you live by building God's kingdom, when it's time to go, you go with mission and you go with purpose in your life. And if we're going to be effective with that, I mean, it's simple. 
Uh, this message is really simple, really simple and also really hard. Because <laughs> we've got to ask ourselves some very honest questions. Am I living self-reliant or Holy Spirit reliant in my everyday life? What is it? Am I promoting myself or am I promoting Jesus? Am I fighting to preserve myself or am I surrendering to God? What is it? What does my life look like? The answer to those questions will give you the big answer. What kingdom are you building? What are you partnering with? The answer to those questions determines the story that you live out. And God has an impartation for you, even tonight, right now, in this moment. Maybe you're in a place in your life of saying, okay, yes, I answer all those questions. I got it. It's clear. At least two out of three, I'm building the Babel kingdom. (laughs) And God might just call you to come forward or just maybe in your seat and turn around and (laughs) get on your knees and say, okay, God, I surrender. I surrender my self-reliance, my self-promotion. I I surrender, Lord God, my self-preservation. God, I want to be about your business. I want my life... (laughs) to be about you there's so much at stake there really is a lot at stake and, and I I don't say that to scare you I just say that to be honest with you parents in the room it matters what kingdom you build in your home what kingdom do you want your kids to build what kingdom do they see you building like these are the, these are the things we look at and it's a decision that we have to make And I think a lot of times with decisions, the best way to commit to a decision is say it out loud. And that might be where you need to be tonight before you go. That you say out loud, out of your mouth, what kingdom you're going to build. You tell God how you want to live your life. What's the decision? We are going to go out, we're going to be scattered. But we can either go out disoriented and confused and frustrated and falling apart, or we can go out with mission and purpose. We can go out and be scattered in a better way. And I believe that God wants to pour out his spirit upon his church, not just this church, but upon his church in this season. This is the reset that God is doing. That he will pour out a spirit. As Peter preached in Acts chapter 2, he said, as the prophet Joel said, in the last days I will pour out my spirit on all people. Something big happened. What would happen now if God's people began to declare that again? I will pour out my spirit. It will change your life. Some of you are looking at me like, that's a little bit overwhelming. I was good with the Jesus thing. I said, yes. I promise you. He will change your life. And when he leads you to build that different kingdom, everything changes in your life for the better. Now I'm good. My life's pretty good. Oh man, pretty good is not what God has for you. Man, he's got greatness. And so the response tonight, I believe, is, and you can come forward and and pray. Will you just stand and I want to pray over you and then invite you to come forward. In fact, as I start praying If the Lord puts on your heart, you need to get up there and and you need to just spend some time with me. Then would you just do it? We have some of our pastors and ministry leaders that will 
We'll pray for you if you desire to be prayed for, but we'll also try to leave you alone. If you want to be alone with God, unless he gives them a prophetic word and now they need to share it and it'll be good. But we just want you to be able to be with God. There are places in our life where we have to come and we need to check ourselves and say, okay, God, reality check. What's it look like for me in my life? Now, where do I need to surrender? Where do I need healing of a mindset? And maybe you need heal- Maybe you need prayer for something that has nothing to do with this message. We'll still pray for you <laughs> all the time. You know why? Because we're reliant on God. And we will partner with you at this church to be reliant upon God. So let's pray. And if you want to come forward or God's just calling you to, you do that right now. Lord, we come before you right now, Lord Jesus. Lord, we want to be a people who build a different kingdom. We want our story to look a lot more like Acts chapter 2 than Genesis chapter 11. I thank you, Lord, that you have the power to save, the power to transform. Lord, I thank you for the lessons in your word where we can look at two very different pictures and see two very different outcomes. And then you put it in our hands and say, what outcome do you want to live? And so we respond to you tonight, Lord. We respond to you tonight in this place, in this room. Lord, some are, for some that are hearing this message, it's Sunday now or Monday now, and they're sitting on their couch, and they can respond right there on that couch in that moment. There's no reason to wait. We want to build your kingdom. We want to build your kingdom, Lord. If you want that, would you just say that out of your mouth? I want to build your kingdom. I want to be about your kingdom, God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We don't choose the kingdom that was about confusion. We choose the kingdom that's about life and hope and peace and joy and love and power and a sound mind. Lord, we choose you. We choose your kingdom. We open up our heart to you. In Jesus' name, let's sing this song and come forward if you would like at this time.